Hey, and welcome back to 52 Founders, a weekly interview series with tech entrepreneurs that aims to uncover the founder DNA. I'm your host, Chrissy Costa, and today I'm joined by Danny Ellis, CEO and co-founder of SkySpecs, a provider of automated drone inspections for the wind energy industry. Danny is one of the friendliest entrepreneurs I've ever known, and we met in a rather interesting way through an Uber pool from San Francisco Airport a few years ago. His kind demeanor and passion for tech in the Midwest stuck with me, and I'm so glad to have him today in the show. Now let's dive into his story. Thank you for agreeing to do this, and I know it's a bit of a rocky start, uh, but I appreciate you being on today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the invite. Um, So I... A little, I'm just going to kind of ask you the whole idea behind 52 Founders is to really talk with the founder a week and see if there are any patterns, um, you know, about your background and how you got started and kind of look for themes across industries. Um, so it's going to be kind of diving into your earlier years um, and it should take like 20 to 30 minutes, if that's okay. Perfect. That sounds great. All right, Danny. Um, you're really so nice considering that we met in an Uber pool one time almost two years ago. But yeah, I mean, so I, I, I love those interactions. I think it's great how small the world really is and you never know where connections are going to take you, you know? Yes, definitely. Um, so can you start by telling us a little about your company? Yeah. So uh, SkySpecs is an automated inspection company that utilizes commercial drones and custom software to completely automate wind turbine inspection. Uh, we're focused on wind turbines initially, but uh, really any inspection market could benefit from our technology. And uh, we really focus on delivering that end-to-end solution with uh, a software platform that can collect the data, analyze the data, and really help customers get to a faster decision uh, than any other uh, inspection method. So how did you originally come up with this idea? Uh, really by chance. Um, what happened was I was in school at the University of Michigan studying aerospace engineering, and uh, me and a few friends decided going into our senior year that we wanted to build a, a drone for our senior design project. And so we proposed the idea to uh, the university. They thought it was great and gave us a little bit of money. Uh, we found a, a competition. We got uh, sponsorship from uh, corporations. And then, uh, you know, ran that for three years. And at the end of that three years, the university uh, suggested that we try to make it a business. And, um, you know, it was uh, something that we didn't really think was going to be possible. But we said, you know what, why not give it a shot? And, um, and you know, so we, at the end of that three years, we kind of all got together and, um, uh, you know, joined the university's incubator program. And, uh, you know, that was almost five years ago now. So... So uh, it seems like sort of that you fell into entrepreneurship rather than really pursuing Absolutely. it. So. <laughs> I, had, I had no plan on ever pursuing it. It was completely accidental. And, um, you know, they're very thankful everything fell into place. But uh, I didn't really know what the word entrepreneurship meant when I started college. So. so you never had, you know, an earlier time in your life where you thought, hey, maybe I'd become an entrepreneur after school. I uh, never thought that specifically. Looking back, there were definitely some signs that it was leading that way. Um, but I, it was never really a conscious choice. I didn't go to school you know, thinking, what, what school has a good entrepreneurship program? Uh, I went to school thinking, I like things that fly and I want to work on things that fly. And that, that was really the only thing I, I considered. So when you say looking back, what kind of things um, in retrospect now do you think really stand out to you that you said um, you know, would have been indicating a, of entrepreneurial path? 
Yeah, I mean, a whole variety of things, but a couple that stand out. Uh, I mean, first off, as a, as a kid, you know, my parents always encouraged me to uh, really pursue whatever I wanted to pursue and try new things. And my dad was always building things, and my mom was always helping us uh, raise money for various, um, you know, athletic programs or for the school. And, and, you know, I didn't really even realize at the time that those skill sets uh, all pertain to entrepreneurship. And then in high school, you know, when I wanted a job, a friend of mine had started um, a landscaping business that he asked me to join. And, and we kind of just did that in the summers. And it was really uh, more because we wanted to, wanted some extra spending money. But, you know, we were actually running a kind of a small business back then in, in high school. And um, it wasn't until many years later, I look back, I'm like, wow, those experiences actually uh, had a lot to do with uh, you know where we are today. So what do you think the biggest lesson you learned from those early experiences were that you know, now that you're an entrepreneur? Uh, that everything is who you know, um, that your network is your most powerful asset. And, uh, you know, to build a network, you've just got to put yourself out there. You never know what opportunities are going to come, um, you know, just by talking to people. And then, you know, if you don't ask people for advice or ask them for, you know, help in, in trying to pursue something, uh, you know, they're never going to just, you know, jump forward and, and give it to you. You have to ask. And, um, you know, I, I think that pertains to everything in life. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't realize how strong my network had even become until I went and tried to pursue, you know, raising money for the first time. And so many different people in my life uh, had, had jumped at the opportunity to kind of join our venture. And, and um, you know, I, I, it's, it really uh, stuck out to me that, like, you know, this, this network I've been building is, is backing me now. And, uh, you know, it's just something you can't really plan for. And do you think that's vital, being an entrepreneur, having that network and support system? Yeah, I, it's, it's one of those things that like, I didn't even realize who in my network has connections until all of a sudden a certain problem comes up. And you know, one problem arises and someone happens to know somebody who works in marketing or works in the, in the government and connects us to you know, the, uh, the FAA when we're trying to find legal ways to fly drones long before it's become legal. And, and those connections, like, I, you know, when I became friends with people and, uh, you know, was working with them the first time, it wasn't for that end purpose. Um, but years later, all of a sudden, you realize that uh, everyone in your network has these, these skill sets and connections. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So going back to, you know, when you were younger, um, did you feel like you've had, oh, let's go back. So what did your parents do for a living? Um, my, my dad works in, uh, in graphics and printing. And so he, uh, you know, works, uh, primarily with, with, uh, physical, you know, printed material. Um, with that industry has changed dramatically from when he started to everything being digitized now. And my mom works at a, at a financial advising, uh, company. And so what was their reaction when you told them you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Uh, well, I think part of it, um, happened slowly enough that it, they didn't really realize what was happening. Um, <laughs> and they knew that I was I was pursuing, you know, working on, on drones and, uh, you know, every holiday it was like, oh, Danny's the one working on flying toys, um, you know, but that was the, before anyone realized, even me, that it could be an industry. Um, I know when I was real young, you know, my mom had said, you should go into business someday. And, and I was like, oh, business is boring. I'm going to go into you know, something else. I I mean, growing up, you know, I wanted to be a baseball player. Um, but then in, in high school, I, I found engineering. You know, I took some engineering classes in high school that uh, really opened my eyes to what was possible. And, uh, you know, the, the combination, it wasn't even just like my dad's career, but the fact that he was always building stuff. And, uh, you know, we've got a workshop in our basement. And, uh, you know, he was, he was building everything. Uh, you know, if, 
that if we ever needed something, his first reaction was, well, let's build it. You know, let's don't, don't go buy it. Let's build it. And, um, you know, that mentality was, uh, you know, something I, I didn't realize how unique that was until later in life. Um, you know, so the combination of that and, you know, I, I think the reaction when I first said it was, okay, yeah, go give it a shot. But, you know, soon you're going to graduate and you have to go get a real job. And, uh, and then we raised money and then were, their reaction was like, well, now you've raised money, you better go do something with that money. And uh, it's grown even bigger to the point where I think that they, they finally view it as an actual job and, and not just like a side project. Right. I think, uh, I think the funding tends to help with that. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I do love that you said your dad, you know, made you inclined to want to build things yourself and take things apart. And then you mentioned, obviously, engineering. But did you have any early leadership roles on that prepared you for, you know, having employees as well? Not just, you know, a lot of entrepreneurship. We talk about the company, but there's so much leadership involved as well. Yeah, I think um, the the leadership aspect of it, there's a, a lot of different areas where I was a leader of certain teams, you know, athletic teams growing up or um, you know, even early in, in my early college career, uh, just being in charge of even the, the class projects or the student projects. Um, I never really viewed it as leadership, though. I, I viewed it at the time like, you know, I want to do something and I'm passionate about it. and I'm going to find uh, other people that are passionate as well. And if we work together, we can all work on something really cool. And um, it wasn't in my mind, it wasn't so much like, hey, it's it's uh, I'm in a leadership role. It was like, how can I convey my passion to other people that are also passionate? You know, I, I think that the passion has been the, the core driver of all of that. And do you see now at Sky Specs that that's the main driver behind your employees as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our, our team dynamic is very um, unique. I would say that uh, not only is everybody extremely passionate about what we're working on, but, uh, you know, there's never really a question as to why we are are working together or a question of, uh, you know, the team leaving and, and losing talent to other startups. Um, you know, I, I know that in recent years, talent acquisition has gotten harder and harder. And, um, you know, our, our employees are absolutely dedicated to the team and, and to the, you know, the mission uh, at SkySpecs. So you also mentioned, you know, that you wanted to go to school for engineering. Did you ever have a thought where maybe college isn't the right path for me? Or, or did you ever rebel from that norm or, or was it kind of taken as a given, you know, after high school, you would go to college? Uh, it was really a given. Um, I mean, there was a small period of time where I wasn't really sure what it meant to go to college. Um, you know, it's just kind of like the thing that you do, you know, you, you apply to a bunch of colleges and you, once you get in, you kind of view, you know, look at what you've been chosen to do and figure it out. Um, and realistically, you know, going to Michigan, it was like, I'm, I'm from the state of Michigan. It was, uh, you know, in-state tuition at a school that I loved their football team growing up and uh, it all just kind of made sense. So as soon as I got in, I accepted, it was like sometime in early November and uh, stopped applying everywhere else. It was just like, you know, I got in, I'm going and, and we'll figure it out. Um, but when I got here for orientation, like I still didn't know what I was going to do. I, I still didn't quite understand what engineering even was other than I liked designing and building things in the, the few classes I had in high school. And uh, so I went to orientation and I just like looked at the, the class list and found this one class that was Introduction to Aerospace Engineering. And I was like, you know, I've always liked things that fly, like fighter jets and going to air shows, which, you know, my, my parents used to take me to every year. And so why don't I pick that class as my first class? And, and that class uh, redefined my entire life. Um, it was a, a class where we built uh, blimps from scratch as the class project. 
and then raced them. And it seemed simple at the time, but um, that class and those two professors in particular uh, really changed my entire course. And I ended up teaching that class in grad school for three years. And those professors helped launch the student team that we started, and they helped uh, launch the business and have helped us uh, from the very beginning. Um, and then while I was teaching, you know, a few of our employees, our early employees, were my first students. And, uh, you know, many of our employees have gone through that class. And so it's just amazing to me, you know, right place, right time. Um, that's, you know, I, I never had predicted that. Um, but I was, you know, very fortunate to have gone to Michigan. Yeah, no, I, I think that's interesting. A, none of that sounded simple. So I like that you said, you know, designing and racing blimps sounds so simple. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to me, that does not <laughs> does not sound simple. But so considering that a lot of your employees took that class, how do you then make sure you have diversity on the team in, in terms of having people that don't think the same way that you necessarily do? Yeah, that's a really good question. I would say early on that that uh, was definitely an issue. Um, we we had all come from the same background when we started the team. Um, but thankfully, we've gotten to a point in our, our life cycle as a business where we've been able to hire people uh, from outside, outside of the university, outside of the state. Um, and that has brought a, a tremendous amount of uh, diversity to the team. And, you know, non-engineers and non-technical people and, uh, you know, engineers that are not in aerospace, um, we've been able to bring all those people in with different viewpoints. And um, but in the early days, it was difficult because, you know, the people we knew were all the ones that had gone through the same experiences as us. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but I think that's just part of growing pains of a small business is like, you know, who, who else do you get to join your uh, extremely risky endeavor other than the ones closest to you going through the, the same experiences? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, and so, you know, I've you talked a little bit about your team, but tell us um, a little bit about your co-founder and. So you met, I'm assuming, during this class and when you had a project together. But then how did you decide, you know, given that you're both technical, who would take on the role of the CEO and who would be the CTO? Yeah, so we uh, we actually met, Tom and I met uh, at an internship. Uh, it was my sophomore year, his freshman year, and it was back in our hometown of Kalamazoo, Michigan. And uh, and we were sitting there in the summer working in this this test lab with hydraulics for fighter jets. And uh, we're really, really bored. Um, and, and, you know, rightfully so. We were very young interns and they weren't going to give us any, any real work. Um, and we would kind of joke in that internship that, uh, you know, someday we should start a business because it'd be a lot more fun. Um, and it was just an absolute total joke. And then, you know, years later, uh, I asked him to start the student project team with me. And then we kind of naturally transitioned to the business. And, uh, and there were three founders of the company uh, that had all come from that student project team. And um, and actually, Tom, who's a CTO now, uh, started out as the CFO. And the way we decided, um, we kind of sat around a table as we were coming up with names for a business and what we wanted to do. And uh, and it was like, well, Tom, you took an accounting class, so you handle the finances. <laughs> and and Sam at the time, you know, you're in a PhD program, so you be the CTO. And well, Danny, you talk a lot and you're good at networking, <laughs> so you be the CEO. And uh, and that was really how we decided. Um, and in the end, uh, you know, many years things have, have shifted around. Um, you know, Sam went to, to finish pursuing his PhD, and and then Tom eventually became the, the CTO. And it, it came down to just me and him as the kind of the day to day founders. Um, but even so, we share a lot of similar responsibilities. You know, he spends a lot more time in the technical world, and I've taken a lot a lot more of the business world. Uh, but if, if ever we need to uh, you know, really focus on fundraising or sales, 
you know, he can shift over to do business. And if we ever really need to focus on, on technical and getting products to the field, you know, I'll, I'll spend some more time on the technical. Um, but really, that's that's how we made the decision. Well, I definitely can say at least that you're good at networking considering the unique situation and how we met and uh, how we've still stayed in contact now for almost two years. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, it's definitely not the only time I've, I've kept in touch with people I've, I've met that way. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so you've mentioned, you know, you had this idea and then your professors pushed you to start the company, but what was really the tipping point to make you start? Was it that confidence that they gave you or was it something else? Uh, the tipping point was the, the University of Michigan uh, and their Center for Entrepreneurship has a, uh, a trip every year where they take a group of students to San Francisco. And there's a group of largely you know, Michigan alumni and, and alumni connections out there that these students pitch ideas for a business. And so they asked us to go on this trip. And like, no joke, uh, you know, we I think we primarily went because none of us had, were, had any spring break plans. <laughs> and so like, hey, we've never we've never been to San Francisco. Why don't we uh, we go there for spring break? And so we did, and and we we wrote the pitch on the the plane ride out there. It was horrendous. Um, we put five people on stage to pitch because we didn't understand that one person should pitch, and uh, and it was horrible. But we got such positive feedback that we're like, you know, why don't we give this a shot? We were so passionate about building uh, this technology when we were students that we're like, you know, we don't really want to stop now. You know, we might be on the on the verge of something. And, and this was really even before the drone industry became huge. Um, and we said, you know what, let's stay in school one more year. I think that was a huge driving factor. Uh, each of the, the three founders of the company were, uh, were also teaching at the university. And so we had a little bit of income to help pay rent. And so for the beginning of the company, we didn't have to find ways to pay ourselves. Um, you know, that's, that was kind of a huge benefit you don't usually get uh, as an early startup. And so when you went out to San Francisco, did any part of you think we should move our company out of here? Or do you take pride in the fact that you're, you know, a Midwest company, particularly in Michigan, um, being close to home and where you became, where you started your company in general? Yeah, in the very early days, a lot of advisors were like, yeah, if you want to do this, you got to move out there. It's the only way you're going to raise money. And we were very adamant. We're like, no, we're going to stay in Ann Arbor. Like, we like it here. We like the connection to the university. We like the, the affordable living. Uh, a lot of us have families here, you know, where we're, a lot of us are uh, Michigan natives. And uh, it just didn't really appeal to us to move everything to San Francisco. And, and also at the time, the beginning days, uh, we were building drones. And so we needed um, a place to physically build stuff. Uh, we've since got away from that because um, we can buy drones now. But we didn't want to pay overpriced, you know, for warehouse space in San Francisco, which is extremely hard to come by. Um, so for us, it was a pretty easy decision to stay and, and we definitely take pride in it. You know, I think the entrepreneurship ecosystem in Michigan is really growing and it's, it's cool to have been a part of it, uh, you know, from the early days. Yeah. And, and do you think that also plays an impact into what you look for in investors? You know, being in Chicago, I've noticed that a lot of the venture funds here really love to invest in the Midwest. Now on the, on the flip side of that, do you look for venture people that want to invest in the Midwest? Yeah, last time we raised a round, um, you know, I traveled to 12 different cities and flew 75,000 miles, and uh, I raised uh, our entire fund from Michigan, um, and most of that from a few blocks from our office. And so, you know, that first off, you know, we were told, like, oh, if you're raising this, you know, in the millions of dollars, you need to go find it elsewhere. Um, so I was pretty happy that I, we actually found it locally, and I thought that was uh, definitely a sign of the times changing. 
Um, but also it just makes life easier. You know, if you've got your investors nearby, you can talk to them, you can lean on them. Um, you know, if my investor is out in San Francisco and, and doesn't care too much about me and, you know, I got his money and then forgot about, um, that's not very beneficial to us. And so, you know, I'm definitely uh, look here first, um, you know, but I was basically following the, uh, the typical path of like, oh, go out to San Francisco and you'll find money. Uh, you know, which obviously didn't work for us, but I, I'm happy with how it turned out. Yeah. And and so what do you think the most surprising thing you've learned so far is as the CEO? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think the most surprising thing that, that I've learned and I think that we've learned collectively is how long innovation really takes. Um, you know, we come out of this with a you know, lot of motivation, like, oh, we're going to build this. It's going to be great. Everyone's going to pay us for it. And you just learn so much along the way with your customers about exactly what needs to be built and, and how long, uh, you know, creating cutting edge technology really takes that, especially when there's physical product involved and it's not uh, an overnight success. It's, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication and, and perseverance. Uh, you know, a lot of times you'll get no's from customers or a customer will, that you're relying on disappears and you're like, well, or how do we sustain ourselves now? Um, you know, it's just a, a much longer road than I think we ever envisioned. And so what do you think the most important quality to have then is to succeed? Perseverance, for sure. Perseverance, um, yeah. Yeah, I think if, if you don't have perseverance and you want to, you know, the first sign of, of a downturn and you're trying to get out, um, you know, it's, it's not to say that, that a person with those qualities won't succeed. I just think it's gonna, they won't succeed in a brand new startup. Um, because yeah. you're gonna you're gonna hit roadblocks every turn you take, and you got to find a way to solve it and get through it. And um, you know the people that I know that have just stuck to it, uh, even in the worst of times, they've they found a way to be really successful. Great, thanks so much. I, I I totally agree, and that's kind of a theme I keep hearing is about this perseverance and you know willingness to weather the ups and downs or vicissitudes of being an entrepreneur. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So in this final part, I'm going to move to just a few fun questions. Um, so what are some products that you're a big advocate are right now? Like, what are you really addicted to either professionally or personally? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, oh man. I would say that, uh, you know, for me somewhat professionally and somewhat personally, um, you know, I, I spend a lot of time in, in 3D design and fabrication, and I used to have a much larger role in that at SkySpecs when we were building stuff, um, but I actually have a, a role in that personally as well. So I am very passionate about 3D printing, uh, Form Labs in particular. Um, you know, we had a, a former employee of ours go work for them and just absolutely love their product. And it's it's great for the company. It's great for uh, small things that you want to prototype, you know, and, and that I do in my spare time as well. Um, so I would say like, you know, that, that kind of bridges the gap between professional and personal and where my passions lie that I'm, you know, extremely uh, excited about and excited about where that uh, technology is going to go. Yeah, definitely. That sounds really interesting. Uh, definitely a little over my head, but <laughs> that sounds really fascinating. And so if you could interview one founder, who would, it want, who would you want to interview and why? One founder. Um, yeah, I mean, I can be cliche and say, like, if I ever got the chance to interview Elon Musk, I would. 
Um, but that's, you know, partially because he's working in, in every space that I find interesting, be it aerospace or clean energy or, you know, uh, I don't, I'm pretty sure he's not human because I don't see how many <laughs> there are enough hours in a day to do all of that. Um, you know, I, but once again, it is a cliche answer. I'm pretty sure like every entrepreneur wants to meet him at some point. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. I mean, especially for you, given what you do, I think that's, uh, seems really pertinent. And actually no one I've interviewed so far has said it. So you can be the first. Yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's it for me. And thank you so much again for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. It's been great. All right. Thanks so much, Danny. Yep. for today's episode of 52 Founders. Be sure to check us out at 52founders.com and follow us on Twitter at 52founders to stay up to date. I'm your host, Chrissy Costa, and I'll see you next week for another episode.